everybody. Is that on? Uh, before I introduce Bob Perlman, I want to uh, mention that next week, uh, Eleni Siclianos and Laird Hunt are going to be reading in the series, and they're reading not here, but over in the uh, uh, Michelle de Certeau room in the literature building. I can't quite tell if this is on. Is it? I hear your finger, but I don't. Maybe a little more. Um, if I get a little intimate with this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a great, great pleasure to welcome Bob Perlman to UCSD. I almost said um, his physical body to UCSD because his textual body is here in the library in special collections. And those of you who want to read his manuscripts and look at his um, outrageous correspondence and other details can go up and take a look at his papers which correspond with many other collections up there of his peers and colleagues. So it's a wonderful treat to have Bob's physical and textual bodies both here. Born in Akron, Ohio, attended the Iowa Writing Workshop, sojourned in Berkeley, where he received his PhD. He now teaches at the University of Pennsylvania. There are many books of poems, I think 16 or 17 books of poems by my count, including lots of uh, chapbooks. Uh, most recently, If Life from Roof Books, Playing Bodies that he collaborated with Francie Shaw in producing from Granary Books, and this book, Ten to One, 
uh, Selected Poems, also published by Roof Books. He's also a critic with two important critical books to his, uh, in his career, uh, The Marginalization of Poetry, Language Writing, and Literary History from Princeton, and The Trouble with Genius, Reading, Pound, Joyce, Stein, and Zukowski, published by the University of California Press. I would add, uh, knowing Bob for many years, that he's also a fine pianist who's been working his way through the well-tempered clavier on any given day, and that when he and his colleagues uh, produced a version of A24 by Louis Zukowski some years ago, he played the Handel uh, clavier pieces that are the fourth voice in that uh, great poem. Um, in an earlier life, he ran the 80 Langdon Street talk series, which was really an important uh, venue for the poetics and politics of language writing. Uh, the talks were then collected into a volume. He also edited, uh, if I remember right, the journal Hills. All right, okay. What I like best about Bob Perlman's poems is a merging of a self-reflexive humor and an intellectual and political speculation, a quality that we used to call wit, but which I might call a syllogistic mashup. He begins with a proposition, quote, we may not have chosen to live inside Dick Cheney's mind, but we do. This triggers an association. Quote, Wyoming, I read somewhere, is the safest place in North America. No tornadoes, no tsunamis, no earthquakes, no monsoons or floods, no major airport, no big planes crashing in the sleet. And then there's the synthesis. Quote, But if living in Wyoming is safe, living inside Dick Cheney's mind though it was formed there, is not safe at all. <laughs> so what begins as a claim about where we don't want to live becomes a claim about where in a world of unalloyed power we do. Lurking behind the heiress of his poems is the ghost of modernism, the voice of Pound or Stein or Williams or Zukowski, not as some ponderous authority validating his sophistication, but as ghosts still trying to have their say. He sees the apparition of their faces coming out of a drugstore or clamoring for our attention in an ad for deodorant or arguing their case for the return of the repressed. Ezra Pound called his early book Reposts, and many of Bob's poems are also such responses to news headlines, other poems, send-ups of Kant and Kant, which is to say he's always in dialogue with some presumed truism or knowledge that his repost seems to undermine. We don't always know the referent, but we recognize the neighborhood. For example, a poem for William Carlos Williams called Wrong Country seems to invoke the bittersweet despair of Williams' poem for Elsie. Quote, to open a new document, a full day beneath the jets, hardly a shred of local left, America's sinking, everyone sees. Or Henry James. Arms in unconscious contact with mahogany-stained pine were junior partners to the keystrokes that aimed to put the mind in trust of this happily-made thing, the recurrent dream of justice, feeling actual stuff from outside, tuned into one mode by sheer plod of getting written deeper into its own current super superfluity than any reading could peer without finally admitting the glitter of any particular, and so forth. Or Frank O'Hara. We walked there through a somewhat subaqueous New York, sweating walls, women in Hawaiian shirts, men in aprons with beads of perspiration on their cheeks. At the same time, and perhaps because he knows his Horace, he's somewhat of an epigrammatist, 
the proposition shorn of its truth value and subjected to the world. Quote, history is not a sentence, but this is, and though history is a word, what it names isn't. In such works, lyric collides with language, moves through the defiles of politics, and emerges through the transom of history. He's also the only poet I know to include Broccoli Rob, Parmesan, Friendless Kinsman, and Superfresh in the same poem. Please welcome Bob Perlman. Thank you very much. That's ah, great. Thank you, Michael. Um, and thanks to uh, Ben for inviting me, and thank you all for coming out to the reading. It's, it's great to not quite see you, but sense you in here. The view is odd from up here. Um, I, I do have to correct Michael. Uh, I'm very unpatriotic, but I, I've never been to Akron. I'm from Youngstown, Youngstown, Ohio. But, you know, I don't go back there, so I don't know why I care. <laughs> okay. I'm going to read mostly new work. Um, and uh, some of it will be some short pieces. And it, uh, the archive um, plays a part in this. And I, I've been very resistant to archiving uh, my papers. It, it does feel very you know, a textual body uh, interred in there. Um, but, uh, you know, needed to be done. There was lots of pressure from close, my, some close associates, as in my wife, who said, you know, get this stuff out of here. Um, and the, so it had to happen. But, but um, I, it, it sort of threw me into consciousness of old manuscripts and various things like that. So I, um, I'm going to read some uh, short poems that are sort of from a, a, a pile of manuscripts that became this uh, book Primer. Um, and I, I quarried some new poems out of these ancient manuscripts. And I'm going to read one poem from Primer to sort of compare and see if I made the right choice in choosing poems in here instead of these ones. Although these ones didn't exist until this week. Anyway, uh, anyway, some short poems, and then I'm going to read a little bit uh, from If Life and other, some other poems, mostly. So anyway, just, just, just to start. Um, first and last. The moving eyes, the sore elbow or two, tune stuck in brain, playing and breaking always from the top. By these and of nothing else, we are what is not and hold to the present exactly unlike. This is called For the Archive. It's, okay, I'll just say that. For the Archive. There is the one light burning is one line alone or can they be together? Words in one person are next to nothing. And here we are. Sitting in all that light, the present tense allows the one that flees from me to write this down, hours at a time. And the page enters, in costume, asking 
whose side but yours would I be on? See the sounds rising to the surface. Could I be on? Just a touch of this particular buoyant intonation. If you read long enough, you can hear the calls beginning to change. The symposium's over. But readers are still athletes, moving eyes, keeping spines erect, and the construing flocks of neural nets pliable, with the hands happily quiet, waiting for the next bend. As athletes have only a short while to earn a shot at their own hieroglyph, so show me the money becomes understandably urgent. This line may be free, it is, but the bottom meaning is use, fair and unfair, as in one body apiece. So show me the meaning, say the days, fanning the squeeze box in and out, wheezing, the cost is never as low as they said. We're led by muscular music, same as always, respiring, full of private variance, but profoundly repetitive which really supplies a great vantage, eventually. Any one rucksack looks impossibly heavy, but when they're on, it's hard to wear anything else. Best if read before the death of Pan. Why things are just this way taxes every mind beyond capacity, individual or crowdsourced. It's not that there's no knowing, just that we, individually or in the cloud, don't seem to know in any hearable, repeatable way just why. And yes, it's me saying that, knowing that much at least, just like any soft shoe universalist. But since the rich are poor in counterfactuals and the poor are rich in spiritual opportunity, why? for the love of our favorite bodies, why are the Koch brothers so much hungrier than everyone else? <laughs> Time travel, a poem in two acts. Act one, I should say for those poetry phobes, there are any here, this is a one-page poem, so. Well, two acts, but they're short. <laughs> a poem in two acts, act one, March 10th, 2010. A foolish thing that was but a toy now has whole palaces to maneuver in. Gentlemen, stop your engines until you have some project that involves other people. A wife who does not like suspense, so let's look up the end of the umbrellas of Cherbourg. <laughs> Backwards, going, train, the, on, dream, a, of, out, stepped, you. Act two, preposterous, advancing ass first, the angel of sensation, March 16th, 2010. Demons decoding Amtrak tuna on white in cellophane. Farewell, modernism, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> to drag everything along every time, that's a consequence few get shut of. Only the mutual hearing of all the weeders and spouters Residual, emergent, and hegemonic, the whole nine yards, time travelers all, mind readers with the spottiest literacies, 
foolish things to be toyed with and not to be. Anti-canonical poem. This was triggered by yesterday's panel. <laughs> A tree falls in the forest and you are there. That is the nature of documentary. The nature of sight itself, if you see what I'm saying. <laughs> A tree, an embodied being, falls in the forest. It has in the I'm sorry, a tree, an embodied being, falls in the only forest it has experienced, if it has experienced any, which it, perhaps it hasn't. To tell the forest from the trees, it helps to have a concentrated mind, a strong constitution, and most of all, some need to. A tree falls on Robert Frost, who now is no more than a figure of speech, and you are there. <laughs> Why? Not because you, too, are a figure of speech, which you are not, but because you are, in fact, alive. You weren't always, and once, they say, China was all forest. Sorry, all trees. Once, anything could have happened. Once, and once only. Trying to learn the elementary tropes, rope bridge over quarter-mile gorge, gratitude in the midst of narrow purpose. And though there are multitudes who each contain multi-stranded multitudes, nevertheless, the office is now closed. This um, is called Modern Poem, and on the page I use uh, internet abbreviations, which I guess I'm going to read out, but it looks much neater on the page, and the sound is going to be much baggier and floppier. But you'll identify these internet abbreviations. Glass half full, overflowing, breathe out, laugh out loud. Existence is elsewhere, roll on the floor laughing my ass off. Each line is, likewise, full. And I was so happy for a time. It's okay if you're a Republican, received without comment. As if nothing exists in the future, only this once, past all recall. I know, right? The pure act, not safe for work. Also meaning nothing, if I recall correctly, comes first. There's no permanent way to call these loops memory, bird flock shiftings, yes, but nothing, in my humble opinion, particularly ironclad. Pick the one, laugh out loud, that doesn't, doesn't what? doesn't look like any other one, in my humble point of view. And then, too, what's not to like, roll on the floor laughing my ass off. Not to like about what? I know, right? <laughs> and it just so happens, not always, Keats or no Keats, too much information, in my humble opinion, that poetry means alive. Aria. Look, here's everyone, here's everyone in the world, and we're all recognizably the same. Maybe just a coincidence, but it changes things. Since the batteries last only so long, it's unlikely we'll get far past basics, codes, feel of stuff, outcomes, bottom lines, you, me, other people, underfunded certainties. Fate, I would say, is permanently out of fashion. You can only be a no-show so long. But that leaves the scars as itchy as before. Still, 
There's something to be seen at both ends of the tunnel, not to mention the tunnel itself. It may not make the news, but the news is now the oldest trick in the book, and you're like, this is such a sonnet. <laughs> Charlie's Angels. Recently, I've been noticing the present tense a lot. Waves bugs away from the toast. Waves advancing in fuzzy rows, sevens and elevens. The hydrangea growing by leaps and bounds. The hand starts scrawling. Someone has. Dolores Park. All these dressed up cars on top of all these paved streets. Palm trees, scenic drives, any lower in the sky's water. Line moving to the right. Trees flower, specific blossoms. Elderly man totters up a considerable hill. Go home and feed my books. Blah, blah, blackbird. I'm teaching my baby to speak merely by living with him and talking as much as necessary, which is nearly every time I notice something. I'm teaching my body to think merely by living with others and helping as much as necessary, which is nearly every time I hear speech. There's uh, a wrong word in that poem. I don't know what the right one is yet, though. measure. My lovely yardstick, your lovely yardstick. Fold me in your arms, you only, and vice versa, truly. The horizon is a continual reminder how the low road goes still lower with the occasional safe words floating up from the landscape's tons. If a language meet a language, it's just one of those bells that now and then rings, not a crime against nature. Sentences say where the door is, nothing else. All that other sound stuff is bells, whistles, special pleading. Brain. Cardboard snowflake, white, melting. A place to receive impressions. Large and solid, but often noisy with tears when changed. Walls stand, night falls once every time. One takes one's head on trust, branching willfully to a generous conclusion. But the kid was right back there. Your taste is in your mouth. Was is no joke. Is is always what the other half dreams. So those were primer-like, and this is primer, ancient. Primer was a work, I, a, poem, a bunch of poems, a book of poems, not a bunch of book of poems, I wrote uh, in the, the New York, uh, San Francisco Bay Area scene. Um, it, was, it felt very transgressive um, to start sort of retro-transgressive. I started each line with a capital letter, which, you know, it was like Wallace Stevens or T.S. Eliot or other arch reactionaries, etc. But I was interested in, in doing it, so I did it. Trainee. The language has us by the throat. Scorched utensils in a grid. Trained tracks. Right of way, light of day. Enraged bodies whistle by cold soot, skipping space entirely. Letters are so dense it's convenient to stop listening. Religious seduction scenarios replace the melancholy human voice. It's perfected product. Trick photos. 
Say I say sky. Say the city of San Francisco sits beneath that. Have you ever seen a school fence? A sun set? Fields of speech the anatomizing phonemes bark at? A machine shop? In the light of the correct time, steel buildings lift a low stone fog. Tires sing on freeways that guard the views from distressed housing. Condense, convinced condensed devices are at home in our words, not to be confused with us or use. Remove the caressed blossom, the rugs still brand new, a vacuum. And I, this poem got translated into Italian, and I don't know Italian, but I could see the end. I could tell the end that they had translated this rug still brand new, a vacuum, as um, a vacuum cleaner, which is one way to do it. I mean, in, in, um, in these poems and in these sort of primer-like poems, I was, always, I was trying for this funny monosyllabic noun-verb um, replaceability. So you can't tell if it's a machine shop or that old, those old puns of you know, a school fence with a school with a fencing um, sword and you know, a machine shop. It's either a machine shop or it's consumers mechanized consumers, shopping, etc. Um, so it's funny to have it be yanked into uh, descriptive use. Anyway, um, just a couple more of these and then on to other things. Mass bionic blare. Actions speak louder than words. Only some things count. It's hard to believe, and if you want, you can believe the opposite. Let's agree to disagree, and everyone's right en masse. The name, name tag on the tree says homo sapiens. The difference to the wind is slight. I love your smile. I hate your scowl. Days change and we think of ways to stay the same. The tree gets cut up, nailed back together. Inside, I found a box of fuck you very much t-shirts in nearly mint condition. We're lucky to have each other. This uh, title is K548, uh, Kirchhoff 548. It's like Mozart. Slide the button back and hear all that gorgeousness like the first time, finally unremembered. Aristotle's mother, did he really think she was a penisless version of his father? Hard to believe, Harry. Damn, every time I slide the button back, I have to jump out of the way, note after note. At this point, I'd settle for a verifiable rumor. Slamming against the platform sides, you start to think, maybe there's a message. Vocabulary is just luggage, something the ancestors threw around. And, modernists, a fugue subject's not like a rock. Kick it, and the deal's done. No, the thing is, we only have the senses. Sound, mem memory, gender, comfort of fit, and the fifth which I always forget. Oh yes, the off button, being able to say no to memory when occasion demands. This is a poem for uh, Emma B. Bernstein. Um, I went to her uh, yard site service uh, when you set up the stone in memory after the first year after the death. Um, and I was asked to write something sort of an impossible situation for somebody who died so young that I 
tried my best and wrote this for Emma. One, they say the mind can keep sense alive for about seven seconds and that we can register at most seven things, coins, pebbles, apples, or six, five, almost nothing. Two, maybe that's why we invented the present as a place to live, to keep the things we do know, know so exactly, keep them exactly, keep all of them, keep what we know near, at hand, alive in our minds. Emma. Three, it's hard to remember what exactly the light looked like all that time ago, what it was saying in such detail, instantly. Hard to count all the blackbirds in that pie, the extra special one, four and 20 they said it was, but we only see the released flock, the single flying mass of bodies, each one the only one, the first and only birth. Four, such a small set of seconds to set everything down in, especially since not everything is here that we love, which makes it impossible not to want the small set to be utterly different, the flock to have swooped right, not left, then up and back, to have landed in any other tree than that one. Five, not the look of the light, which is clear and vertical, or soft and childlike, or whatever else our seven seconds dictate, but how fast it makes us read it and know in an instant that, it, that it's showing us exactly what is here and what is not, that's what makes the seven seconds so endlessly hard. Six. Still we see our light, are in it so instantly, that seeing won't let us remember what it looked like before, sight turned hard as stone, which barely remembers its own birth, let alone any of ours. Seven, it is our privilege alone to disappear, to never forget that we do, never forget to set down what must be set down so that it not be forgotten, not be lost in all this time. Emma. This is just, I'm going to read from the middle of If Life, the poem If Life, in the book If Life. The poem If Life is a deliberate frame-breaking um, collection of writing, poems, prose, journal entries, chopped up stuff, straightforward stuff, quotes from other poets, etc. Um, with other connecting devices thread, threaded through it. So at any one point you can read what it says and you are not sure exactly how many other frames are being activated. But I'm just going to start and um, read a, a little bit of it, just uh, this, this uh, page spread. Uh, can't see a primary layer of color in Pollock, and somewhat similarly, there's no way to find a basic frame in Patterson. With Pollock, you can hardly see the, you can hardly see the complex overlay, but it registers at once. With Patterson, you have to grasp at it backwards, but after three or four or five tries, ordering seems reductive. Quixotic analogizing. I'm just trying to make them be friends. Avant-garde is middle-aged, but romanticism is forever young. Dorian Gray. Modernism's comb over. Spicer is a ghost longing for actual flesh and blood. 
Somebody else's, hopefully. Wood thrush song, footsteps panting. Wood thrush song, footsteps panting. So learn to touch type, for fuck's sake. Organize. Clear off work services. Learn where the keys are, where your fingers are, whose. The non-elected present declares, I'm the war god. No ethics, only miracles. Broadcast obedience and a seemingly inexhaustible supply of bombs in the jam closet. Uninsured bastards behind excellent gun sites, shooting at the poster of the primal father, exhausted pricks patrolling the head of a pin. Retailed humiliation, private shaking and audience guffaws, breaking ribs with hysterical release because wholesale humiliation bulldozed what was once home, sold at employee discount plus a decent profit for all self-proclaimed mediocre golfers. Smile, explode, come in easily downloadable shots. But home is impossible to reach, and decoding the mean, another interminable job, putting electrical impulses, salts, fat, bone, and will on hold. Awaiting historical recompense for stolen homeland, but that's the wrong word. Capital H, hell to pay, and in that situation, labor never gets paid. Children's armies over the cliff. It was dark, needless to say. And as I go, as, and as I go to write this again, it is dark. Of course, if it never got light between sessions of dark, then again it is dark wouldn't have much bite. And if you never wake up between dreams, then they're hardly dreams now, are they? Really, all this is to apologize for the poor visibility, the disgusting state of the media. Now, this um, is a new poem that's a little mini, if life. It'll be the longest of the, it's not that long, but it'll be the longest of the pieces I read today. Um, it's called Between Minsk and Pinsk. It's about eight minutes. It's not that long. Good time? Yeah. Okay. Between Minsk and Pinsk. I write, therefore I have lost all claim to being. 250 years ago, Bach was asked by Frederick, the great, to improvise a six-part fugue on an especially jagged, unamiable theme. Tabloid gossip has it that number five son C.P.E. Bach, one of Frederick's court composers, authored this spiky, slightly poisonous shape to torment his creaky father. Frederick was a liberal starting out. He grew the arts, as Clinton might have said, kept religion in its own snow globe, opened public space to living social libido. Does he get a zeitgeist halo because Mozart wrote Cosi von Tutti there, showing how good sound could sound, but still ABA, new, old, new, the system's appetite in high def like hardly ever. Ears burning in warm global perspective, bodies plural from now on. Exhale to fashion portable forms of writing. Everybody lives in the present. Everybody, do you hear me? You're breaking up. You who are to be reached to carry on the work. You who, you, yes, you. We are moving. Goodbye. Never on Sunday. I poured an ecologically sustainable amount of maple syrup on my blog and fried up a couple of humanitarian sausages. Next, it was the savage white of the cockatoo and sunny oranges all the way down to the ships where I slipped into my leisure suit and got a load of how much shit work there is. Goodbye to the library. Endless self-forming process, the art machine, declensions, sit-ups, scales, thirds, octaves. Left in such a hurry, I couldn't tell you who was sitting where when the roof fell, 
The book of memory comes later. Not to forget William James's principles of psychology. Baby touching flame. Every spine, every spine has will a little. Every little spine shines a little. Note the repetition, because notes repeat. That's why nerves have will. They prefer, develop, learn. All these are neural events, not yet mind. That's a little farther down the road. Flame, no. Touch something else. End of time, a problem. Whose exactly? Slipped on the slimy deck, crashed on my back. Red lines in the mirror, skin sack. Poets' poetics are often exactly, too strong a word, wrong about their poetry. Nothing to be done. In any given mall, struck meat points at hex scripts reflecting who's pain. Night and day. Rushing, basic premise, waiting at the gate, but there were two. Too late. Lines and situation bank. Amtrak, busy, bookkeeping. Eye contact and got all. If you gave a shit, you could type Seattle. Where? The 6.13. 6.13 p.m. Now home. Yesterday or pleasure? Check. Big what? Grocery bag. Rushed down. It was 5.30. Rolling. Unzipped. Rather empty. Now lock my pocket. Now to lock my pocket. Handkerchief. Blocking ability. Hard to undo. Throwing. Rolling. One, two doors, watching slowly, ratchet closed, levered the key around. Shut the fuck up, brilliant dreams, performed in public as if perception were free. Venus, lovely tramp in mud time, wearing plaid, if you can believe that. Fashions change, so why can't we? We do anyway. Handed me a parking ticket and said, start filling it out, big boy. Why I am not a sardine. Pressing up tight against you, but when I asked, it was one of those nights. You were using earplugs. The days go on. Tonight, for instance. It needs something. But at least we're both real or something with little machines to persuade us. Quick and moist and meaning. Familiarity floating like a rubber ducky in intensely organized sonic bath. Is that a metaphor or are you just glad to be typing? <laughs> that which makes the mind swerve diverts it from its path. Sentence, pragmatic, fragment, hieratic. What Maisie knew, phantasmal sentences. Next second, clotted, musty presumption and vague, balletic inference. Ten words in, I've lost track. The question then becoming whether to go on, knowing I'll have to go back to the beginning of the sentence, which may be pivoting on a crucial word in the sentence before that, or trust momentum to beget comprehension, aiming for a brisk pace to animate the sensing mind, frisking amid word facts, hoping to ride the insinuated curves of main sense, find the Wi-Fi, so to speak, not to forget the plot, plot the forget to not, like the mechanical rabbit the greyhounds chase with such unenviable velocity around and around, sentence after sentence, never to sink tooth into haunch, tongue stuck inside the muzzle, never to taste pulsing salt blood. The witch of the waste barges in, bulging, vain, careless, malevolent, she makes the little girl old, uses her sadistically. So she becomes a target for our counter-sadism, and we're happy when soon she is climbing endless stairs, sweating, sagging, melting, most importantly, suffering. What does sadism do with that image? It ponders, restless, rubbing thumb and forefinger with no more pressure than necessary. But all in all, happy, up at 345, anxious, death, debility, isolation, all finally at 630, happy, thinking, today, work, still, now, late, night, focused, room, hearing, decent rain. 
After various millennia, the actors with their unintentional accents stagger out of the cave onto the softly blinding screen, scarred but future-proof. Freud calls paper on Michelangelo's, his paper on Michelangelo's Moses, which he published anonymously, his love child. Moses' horns representing the radiance that visited Moses' face after he has seen God. Is he sitting down, having come down from the mountain with the tablets, or is he rising up, about to smash them? Shouting out society's secrets, poets are little better than necessary licensed gossips. The mother of us all. Something happened, painfully, but fully, universal, but you only get a thin edge. Full of pain, and I was emptied. No one was there, and certainly no one else. Then the future arrived, banished the past, and I was so, and it was so, to be in time, finally, exclusively, and going away, but here, to be later, the next. Inhale now, and now again. It's okay. 4.45, Freud and Anna mess around with telepathy. Much later, she reported to Ernest Jones that she and her father acted out certain superstitions while they were hunting for mushrooms, and that this nonsense was such good fun at the time. She left no doubt, though, that these experiments had to do with thought transference. 6.50, fate has been good to me, that it should have granted me the relationship to such a woman. I mean Anna, of course. Sex with Shiksa. Such good fun. Bach as a kid with his uncles. As soon as they assembled, a chorale was first struck up. From this devout beginning, they proceeded to jokes, which were frequently in strong contrast. That is, they then sang popular songs, partly of comic and also partly of indecent content, all mixed together on the spur of the moment. This kind of improvised harmonizing they called a quod libet, and, could, and not only could laugh over it quite wholeheartedly themselves, but also aroused just as hearty and irresistible laughter in all who heard them. Forkel's anecdote, which is likely to be true, given that he was able to interview Bach's sons, suggests fairly clearly that Bach meant the quod libet at the end of the Goldberg variations to be a joke. Seven, it's only the present that hidden, that's hidden. Nine, get the relays put down since brute transformation won't survive. If anything's known in poems, it's not tone leading of vowels, but embodies, embodied tongues spiraling implication. And not the work of the vowels alone, or consonants for that matter, more like the binary dots and dashes the infant has as its real toys, trying to decide which is more to the point, the dog's earnest bark or the guest's offhand guffaw. Couplet for a post-American century. The torturing empire, copyright free will, Someday, real readers won't already feel what that means. And then I think I'm just going to um, read one more little, little, little poem. No title. For local change, press seven. For nature, press three. For cultural commons, press eight. For de-traumatization, press six. If you've had it, press five. For confirmation, press one. For disambiguation, press one. <laughs> to change everything but your body, press four. To change everything, press two.
say Bob will entertain questions from the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can do you know, song and dance. Uh, boy, that's a, what, was, what was my ins- the inspiration behind If Life? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I was. Um, it's a complicated question. I hope my answer doesn't trail off into nugatory, boring stuff. But I was just sort of hacking around, really not knowing what I was doing, uh, and I started just trying to gather together bunches of stuff. And I kept um, this. I think I was using. I don't know, I might have been using word perfect still when you could only have eight letters for the title of a file. And I kept, uh, um, you know, sort of naming and renaming and um, if life, wife life, uh, whatever, I, it's something like that. And, and so, um, you know, just trying to sort of find a, a kind of the magic uh, button or the magic chord or something. <laughs> Um, and about after a lot of very un, um, untriumphal writing moments, uh, you know, but, I, but I, I had this kind of grim quality control of like, well, that is just too terrible. And maybe, you know, the little bit in the middle here is acceptable. Anyway, I just kept weeding stuff out and throwing stuff in. Um, and eventually, I started to get the idea that that um, something interesting could could come out if I if I allowed uh, if I didn't try to be uh, in a way. This is before conceptual poetry, in a way, or in the before I was as aware of it in, in two thousand and five and so forth. Um, but in a way, it was as uh, if you know, act as unconceptually as possible as unrigorously as possible, as inconsistently as possible. Um, and that, eventually I convinced myself. I sort of calmed myself down. I, it was like I had to be a, my own art therapist or something like that. And um, allowed myself to include poems, half poems, parts of poems, titles of poems, journal entries, um, bits of intellectual stuff I was reading, definitions of fascism, um, political stuff, things like that. So um, it, it, was a, it was a basically opening the frame as wide as possible and keeping the local focus as crisp as I could. That is as much of an answer as I can give you. So, yeah. And there were other poems, obviously, where you were not doing that. I was wondering if, kind of, when you have a poem which is actively in dialogue with an earlier work, whether the process of writing that is different than a poem which maybe comes out of internet speak or like something like that. Um, there are, as I think in Michael's introduction, you know, I mean, the lines of poets are buzzing around me all the time uh, in, my, in, in, the, in my head. And sometimes lines I can't stand as much as lines I really like. The ones I really like, it, 
I, in fact, it's sort of, I, I, I keep, I sometimes keep a respectful distance. It's more like the ones that are, you know, there's nothing better than something that's exactly wrong. It's very exciting and you, somehow it gives you a lot of energy. Uh, so, um, and I, I, I think I have a, I can sometimes see myself from the outside. I have a very mean superego, basically, although um, I try to be, you know, as a teacher, etc., you know, tactful and nice and all that, supportive, but I'm not very supportive to myself. And uh, um, I sort of can see from the outside, oh, you know, you're just this guy, you know, this intellectual, you just do nothing but quote modernism and you have all these references. There's a million, thousand million references in here. Um, and, and sometimes I sort of think, oh, well, that's, I don't like poetry like that. I don't respect poetry like that. You know, I don't respect, this is, I'm, this is on tape, sorry to say this, but I don't, you know, 80 Flowers of Zukovsky, where each word encodes about five weeks reading, you know, I sort of think, I don't want to end up like that. Um, but on the other hand, I'm already kind of in you know, a bit of that quicksand myself already. So um, I try to go easy on that stuff. And I only leave the ones in that I think are kind of good. So, uh, but there's a bunch in there that I sort of think, well, maybe that's not. I mean, anyway, so that's, that's some of the dynamic of it. Um, and sometimes, I mean, some, I have some poems that I really like uh, that I didn't read today that are, that are directed to a world in which everybody really knows Frank O'Hara, et cetera, et cetera, and we're just really not in that world. I mean, thank goodness for the literature department of UCSD, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, that some people are interested in. Poetry is alive and well, but, uh, um, you know, too much of that stuff and you sort of can feel like you're, setting up your little magic cabinet in your own private closet, and that's not a good feeling. <laughs> and that answers all the, okay. What is your favorite poem that you wrote? Ha! <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, um, I don't, I can't answer that, sorry. Um, I, I asked Ashbury, um, at, at a, you know, in a situation like this, I was, and uh, he was reading at the writer's house at Penn, and this was 10 years ago, but he had already had a 45-year writing life of fantastic works, and I, I, I said, John, do you sometimes ever feel jealous of your past work, you know, and sort of think, are you, are you in competition, you know, with your past work, because it's a tough act, of, many tough acts to follow. And he said, no, no, I always think the poem I'm writing is the best poem. <laughs> and that's a happy state to aspire to. Um, in my case, I usually like things about 90% of the way through. I mean, the first 90%, I don't like it. Uh, not always, but sometimes. And sometimes poems I really like, I have not liked at all. It's sort of almost like a... The screwball comedy where uh, Grant and Hepburn, you know, hate each other's guts until they fall into each other's arms. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, oh, I can't stand this, I can't stand this. Oh, I'm in love. This is a great poem. So. <laughs> Can you speak a little to that process of both the sort of intertextuality and liking your own, I guess the last two questions, in this process of revisiting your archive and revisiting these... these Re uh, re the archive, I, uh, luckily I had a... Uh, um, she's now a, a, a graduate student at Columbia. She was an undergraduate 
uh, and was was a you know work study student for me and was invaluable in organizing this stuff because I couldn't I couldn't uh, stand it. Uh, I, I just didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to, you know, and every once in a while I would look at this old stuff and <sighs> just, you know, it, it was toxic. It reminds me of an Ashbury line. I can't remember the poem, but the line, it's, it's from tennis, it's from Rivers and Mountains or Tennis Court Oath, early. The bo- it's a great first line. The body's products are, the body's products are toxic to it. Something like that. I had it, and that isn't quite right. The body's products are fatal to it, something like that. And it's felt a little bit like there's nothing worse than... Writing is based on a, um, a little bit of a, you know, some sort of a little bit of a future. If there's such a tense of the future public that it's going to be out there in the world in a viable way. Um, and... Everything in the archive, you know, everything that's, you know, what I scribbled down getting to the poems is in the past private. And the past private is, feels like a, you know, a dark and dim condition. So it was very hard. Uh, and I'm glad it's out and you guys have to. <laughs> but of course I want everybody to go study it. And I was going <laughs> to. I was going to make a joke about, you know, sex tapes, PG sex tapes, and things like that. But I didn't, so. And there aren't any. Anyway. So, um, that's all I can, I think I can say about that. But if I, I should say, I, I don't write reading favorite other poets. I mean, I don't, I, I tend to, if, I, if I'm feeling, you know, like, like, oh, I, you know, need to, I want to write, and I don't know what to write. I often feel that way. It doesn't get any easier, folks, you know. I mean, um, but uh, sometimes, you know, I'll read um, history or criticism or philosophy, um, but nothing involving music, uh, music theory I find very interesting. And poems, if they're too close and too good, it's sort of like, ah, well, you know, it crowds you out a little bit in a funny way. Um, I don't like to compete. Um, it's sort of a, competition has to be, there has to be a, a, a kind of a decent time gap. I'm very competitive, but, but competing in the present, I, I would be a terrible sort of slam, you know, you say something, then I'm going to say it back, unless I'm, uh, you know, intoxicated or something. <laughs> and then the odds would be, you know, 5% maybe I could. I can imagine it, but I don't do it. Yeah. Did you know that when on the page or after you said it aloud? No, I knew it. Uh, I kind of, you know, there was a Band-Aid on it. Uh, I knew it. I wrote that, 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 you know, that was like quarried out of the primer uh, uh, manuscript stuff that wasn't in there, uh, that wasn't in primer. But there was like a 60-page. I just found it in my files. It was a, I'd made a PDF of it, and there it was. Um, and um, the the thing that was wrong to me, maybe it's the best word in the poem. Who knows? But uh, um, I mean, I like this. I, I I sort of like 
I never write poems like this. This is sort of formally elegant, and I'm not that way. But the, I'm teaching my baby to speak merely by living with him and talking as much as necessary, which is nearly every time I notice something. That's the first quatrain. And I like merely, by, nearly, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it sounded sort of straightforward, but um, something interestingly odd about it. Then I'm teaching my body to think merely by living with others and helping. Oh, that's terrible. The helping part. Helping as much. I don't mean that. I mean reacting. I mean... Um, going into mental spasms of um, frame-breaking. I don't know what, you know, lots of things, but not helping. Helping seems so Pollyanna-ish, and I always try to help people, and I always try to... <laughs> I mean, it's a terrible, it's terrible, you know? But then everything else I like, you know, which is nearly every time I hear speech, you know, and it cleverly goes back to the beginning, and it's a nice little Mobius strip. And I sort of convince myself, well, helping, that can be okay. It can be like... You can take it as well. Every time anybody says anything, it's ultimately a kind of a weird crisis because human communication is so powerful and imperfect and we all have to kind of compensate every time we open our mouths, really. And I can convince myself that it's okay, but then I sort of step back and think, oh, it's a terrible line, terrible word. You know, so that's... When, when you have something problematic, do you just let it lie and it comes to you or do you consciously work on it well, in this case, I, I, um, I sort of woke up to the fact that, that, you know, oh, I wanted to read some new stuff for this reading, and, and I had all so, sorts of, uh, you know, tenure letters to write and things like that, that all this wonderful stuff that, that you grad students are aspiring to. Um, uh, but no, seriously, I, you know, all of a sudden it was very late, and um, I wanted to write. So I, I worked on these quite hard and quite often, and there's many drafts of them, and... Um, you know, now that I've you know spoken about this and it's going to sort of be in there, you know, maybe sometime in the next, you know, it's going to be like two seconds in the next five months. Maybe, you know, I'll, I'll figure out the right word. Or maybe, maybe this is maybe this is a false door, and this is going to have to be broken apart and really changed and not be like this at all. And maybe this is the start of the you know, Iliad part two or something. I don't know. Um, but so I, I'm just trying to give you some range of the unpredictability of, of the writing and rewriting process. Um, but in this case, I mean, I, I do know that, that I'm not, my superego, I, I was been putting it down here in a com comic way, but uh, I do know that in that case, I think my, you know, judgment is, I approve my judgment. There's something, yeah, about it. And I, don't, and I don't, speaking of liking, who's asked about liking your poem? Somebody. I don't, I really don't like to have a feeling of, eh, that's a bit terrible feeling. But you, you do share with Ashbury a love of, of bathos. Yes. I mean, you've written about this. That let's, try, let's take a line that is really awkward and uncomfortable or a word like helpful, and then, but you don't leave it alone. You fuss it and, and, and spread it out and work with it. So you do court uh, those qualities. As yes. A key uh, generator of the work, I think. You know, it's yeah, it's courting the qualities. It's true, courting the qualities, but it's um, yeah, yeah. This this particular poem, there's very little room for um, comic expansion of uh, qualification, and I mean, th there's a certain kind of writing. 
that, that uh, uh, rhythmically I'm not talking about. I'm thinking about the comic expansion. Doesn't have to be comic expansion, but expansion. Like Ashbury does this a lot. Expands. There's a phrase, but then there's some qualifiers. I mean, like if I, I can't quote it exactly, but a beautiful, sort of beautiful line. Now, Asphodel, my love. Uh, anybody can quote that. Uh, the beginning of Asphodel, uh, of Asphodel, my love. Uh, the, the green flower on its woody branch. I mean, he, but he says, save that it's... I can't quote it, but in about the second line, there's, there's a couple of qualifying phrases that take the lyricism and make it really prosy. And then he comes back to the lyricism. It's, it's like, it's like uh, you know, singing a song, but then stopping to an, with an aside of it's almost like stage directions and back to singing the song that, that I find very pleasurable expansion of frames. But in this case, there's no room for expansion. So, yeah. Um, so I have two questions for you. Um, the first one would be, in the spirit of Ginsburg and Bimbaugh, what would you say today's... Ginsburg and... Oh, Bimbaugh? Rambo. Yeah. Oh. No, Rambo, Ram, Rambo and Rambo. <laughs> okay, Rambo and Rambo. Okay. <laughs> No, no, that's all right. I'm just wondering, um, what, what would the contemporary need for, like, say, a new vision be in the world of poetics today, and how does that affect... Um, well, I think there's... I, th I think um, I've gotten into trouble with a few of my sort of ancient avant-garde friends <laughs> for saying these things, but I think that there is a, a interesting need for... I think, uh, you know, poetry is alive, very alive and very well, and I think poetics is a little... Routinized, and um, uh, it's you know there's, there's dogma all the time in, in poetics, um, and I think that one of the tasks of poetry these days is uh, this word is can hardly be used, but is is a kind of realism of um, involving uh, mind reading, by which I mean our ordinary senses of each other's minds, and and anticipating what other people think of what we think of what so I think poetry actually uh, needs to be very communicatory although I'm, I'm still for years of you know in my language writing avant-garde life and history I don't like the sort of hokey Downton Abbey emotions of you know a lot of a lot of poems that, that have kind of a mood music soundtrack behind them so I don't mean realism that way I don't mean communication that way but um, I do think that, that that's a place that, that poetry needs to, to really explore these days. It's not you know, new. I mean, I, I sort of phrase it to myself that I, the narratives of, of avant-garde advance, I think, are um, it's like uh, peak oil or uh, uh, fracking or shale. It's, you know, the development, it, it's, there's not going to be a lot more energy in avant-garde dislocation, fracture, etc. I think that the, where the energy is is in uh, networking and social breadth, but that all the quality issues of poetry having to be incredibly alive and zappy and uh, exciting to the mental touch, um, you know, that goes without saying, but to make it uh, broad, to broaden that out at the same time, it's very hard. So that's what I think. Needs. That's that's my sense of a 
not so much vision as a, a touch and networking more than sight. Your second question? while also um, appeasing like highly intellectual circles because I feel like there, I personally feel that there's a generational gap between poetry that's being written now by people like a generation or two ahead of us versus like people 20s now and the way that technology and using technology as a crutch is kind of saturating culture and without like a Well, I, I mean, you know, intellectual expertise I don't know. I, I'm all for not so much expertise as uh, what they used to say. Is this, this word is probably so old-fashioned. Chops, very old-fashioned, right? Do you even know what it means? It doesn't mean meat, cuts of meat. It means ability to play an instrument, ability to use a computer, ability to program, you know, sophisticated knowledge. I think none of us want to be without that. Um, but, uh, you know, expertise and long trains of this refers to this, refers to this, academic speak. Um, you know, that's, yeah, that, that can be, can weigh poetry down, and it doesn't bode well for, you know, future readers. I mean, the poetry is a time art, and I, I love, and there's all sorts of great poets from um, Whitman, William Stein, um, and I just had a few other that I was thinking of, trying to, let me think for half a second. Um, Ashbury, you know, who who are kind of anti-experts, um, who are very intellectual and very thoughtful and sophisticated, but but they're sort of anti-experts, and um, so I don't worry about being an anti-expert. You know, I'd like the line of it was a new line, but the "fuck you very much" T-shirts in nearly mint condition. You know, I, there's a there's a, a you know veritable, you know, that's a, the saints of the saints of. Uh, of American broad speech have uh, paved the way for, you know, I, I had no worries about that line at all. So, I, so. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the bookstore is here and has books, a box. Yeah, well, I'll
And sign it to uh, Izzy. I Z Z Y. Yes.